Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we get to sit down and have a conversation with our pastor, Eric Zellner, and learn how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome back to Conversations. We're so glad you're listening today. Um, I'm your host, Will Levant. I'm here with uh, Pastor Eric Zellner. How are you doing today? I'm good, Will. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, we've kind of been, we just got off of a series, Through the Spirit, and then we did a one-off last week, or two weeks le- uh, ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, we're doing another one-off, and we're going to be talking about sin and temptation, uh, two pretty hefty topics, mm. um, and just very hard to kind of distinguish sometimes. Um, but I may start the conversation asking this question. This is a question like genuinely am wondering, and um, it's hard for me even at times, mostly at like all the time, mm. to distinguish between what is sin and what is temptation. Um, and so the way I see it, there's kind of two different extreme ends of this. Mm-hmm. One being I look at my sin and I say that's temptation, that's not sin. And so it gives me like a false assurance um, mm. that, I have a clean, clear conscience for the Lord. Sure. Um, and then the other end of it is I look at my temptation and I say that's sin. And that just brings me to despair. Mm. And so the main question I'm asking is what is the difference? Is there a line? Can we distinguish the difference? Mm-hmm. And then if you just kind of start the conversation out, what is sin and temptation? Yeah, that actually, you know, well, I think it's such an important conversation to have. And in fact, it, this is the this is the field upon which every Christian is uh, is living and needs to learn to recognize this that this is an important thing to uh, come to grips with. Uh, temptation and sin biblically are not the same thing at all. And so um, you know as a good Presbyterian, we might say, okay, what what is sin? And uh, the Westminster Sword of Catechism just simply says sin is any want of conformity or lack of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. So and that that question, in the shorter catechism is is upholding that is it is uh, both willful um, and accidental failures to obey God, um, and and that te- that is a an important uh, recognition to have. I was trying to pull together thoughts on on temptation and how to and how to define it, and we're going to use a ton of scripture today to try to make sure that we can wrap our heads around it. I I, I just simply sketched down on on my pad here. Temptation is is something like a pull or de, or a desire to disobey God, or a pull or desire to be my own God or to run my own life. Um, so, in fact, you know, using the the Garden of Eden by way of example, uh, does does Eve sin when she simply grabs hold of the forbidden fruit? Uh, it seems to me that there's a that there is a a runway that leads to the the takeoff of the, uh, or maybe the, the running off the cliff of, of sin from temptation to sin. And she sees in the scripture that, that it is a delight to the eyes, that the fruit looks good. She sees that the, uh, that it is, it could be desired to make somebody wise, meaning to be like God. She takes it, um, having processed all of that. And so I think biblically what we need to recognize is that there is not a, uh, a very, it's not a clean line where you go, 
very easily, oh, I was tempted, now I jumped over that. Um, however, the Bible gives us some examples of ways in which that there really is some spot in which we cross over that. But I think it's important to recognize that temptation is really the pull. It's the desire uh, to walk um, as my own God, to disobey the, the commands of my Lord and my Master. Um, and I was, as you and I were talking offline, I think you can you can examine King David and you recognize when he is tempted with the sin of Bathsheba, there's an evening when he walks out on his on his porch and he looks out over the city. And there's a moment when his eyes recognize there's a woman in a tub and she doesn't have clothes on and she's bathing. Um, and there is in that split second a moment to be tempted. And to be tempted in that moment could be simply the awareness, oh my goodness, there's a woman with no clothes on and she's three stories below, to, to flee temptation in that moment would be to turn, go back inside his castle, make sure his, his servants stand guard and keep him from going upstairs again, right? Um, but what he does is he stares, and, he, and, he, and as he stares, he begins to long. Um, and in that longing, he makes plans to sin. He makes an opportunity for himself to sin. And that seems to be helpful as we talk about what that what that looks like in real life, in our own life. Uh, so temptation for our listeners, you know, it could be lust. It could be a temptation to fear. It could be a temptation to bitterness or jealousy, a temptation to materialism, uh, a, a temptation to, you know, explosive anger, et cetera, et cetera. So let's, let's talk about this. I, I kind of broke it down by thinking about it this way. What is temptation? Um, and then what is its source? And then where is the line? And then lastly, what's the way of escape? I think that's um, maybe a useful way to think about it today. So I hope that we've we've begun to unpack what is temptation. Um, by way of uh, of its source, let's let's say first uh, that the source is not God. Um, James one thirteen says, "Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God." For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But then he goes on to explain that each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. I think that fits with the definition that I was trying to pull together, uh, lured or enticed by his own desires. Um, and so then he goes on to explain that gray area that we're trying to put our hands around. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So that, in some ways, that's a that's a description of the progression that takes place from temptation um, to sin equaling death. Um, so, number one, its source is not God. Um, it does seem like uh, there are two or three possible sources for how we can think about uh, where does temptation come from. There are places in the Scripture where Satan is clearly pointed to as the source of a temptation. So, for instance, you can look at Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5. Uh, they are described as being tempted by the devil. Uh, also, when Judas is led away, I mean, it, it, he is literally being led away because Satan enters him and tempts him in that direction. 
So in one sense, we could also say, right, God is not the is not the one who tempts. Uh, Satan ultimately can tempt, but I think it's also accurate to say that Satan, as the father of lies, John eight forty four. If Satan is the father of lies, then in some ways. Uh, as the as the originator of evil, as the originator of rebellion against God, he is a source of it, um, and so we recognize that that's we're we're doing battle against not against simply against flesh and blood, but also really against uh, a principality and power of of the evil one. The Bible also describes uh, in some places uh, demonic activity that seems to be a part of temptation. Um, and so it can be that uh, there are demonic forces that are a part of that temptation. Uh, we, you know, if you've been to to uh, parts of the world where there's just extraordinary evil, and you can almost see it and smell it, um, whether it be prostitution or um, or sex trade or horrendous drug use or all kinds of uh, idolatry, when you look around, there's there's just places, especially if you land in in a different part of the world. As an American, you can go, wow, this is shocking to my eyes and to my heart. I think you can recognize that there are places where demonic forces take place. But for the believer, this is this is something we need to recognize, that, that what we're usually battling, even if the source at some point was the evil one, Satan himself, we're usually battling our own flesh, right? And the world you know, as Ephesians 2 talks about the world, the flesh, and the devil, those three being kind of enemies of our ungodliness. Um, ultimately, the world is, um, I was described as a, you know, it's kind of like under the under the reign of, of Satan at this moment. It's a playground for evil. Uh, so Satan and his evil ones are, are uh, doing many shenanigans, you might say, in, in the world. But really, for a believer, what we're dealing with is our own heart. Right. And so I, I was thinking about um, Romans chapter 13, uh, where it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Um, that verse, of course, reminds me that that everything that Paul writes about uh, our flesh is this sense that I once was in darkness, and we talked about when we talked about the fruits of the spirit. We talked about all of these various fruits of the spirit, which were, um, which were evidence of, and also fruit growing from the evil of my flesh. But then, even in that Galatians five section, there's a, a desire that we should learn to transition to put on something new, and that seems to be constantly the way that Paul talks is the putting off and the putting on. So. You know, it's important for us to recognize, okay, what is temptation, but then also what is its source? Um, you know, as Galatians 5 says, verse uh, verse 13, it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And, and you know, he's recognizing that in having been born in Christ and born again, that there is an indwelling aspect of our flesh. And he's saying— it is an active participation for you and I to say, okay, I'm going to choose not to let that flesh grow and thrive. So in some ways, even while the the area feels gray for us, we can recognize that as believers, we want to do what we can to, to not allow ourselves to harbor or grow those aspects of the flesh. The other night, I, I, I found myself bitter 
um, and may be jealous of, of someone. And uh, as I was evaluating that aspect of my own heart, I could tell I want that to grow. I'm, I'm wanting the bitterness to grow because it feels vindictive. It feels powerful. After uh, a night of somewhat fitful sleep and then spending some time in the, in the word and in prayer the next day, it occurred to me what I was actually doing was trying to grow and harbor that bitterness. Um, and so that in itself served to tell me somewhere along the way, I crossed a line very quickly from tempted to, to bitterness to deeply harboring and building the sin itself and, and really wanting it to thrive in my heart. So the Bible seems to speak of real, let's, let's actively notice those, those uh, movements towards temptation and, and hear them as an alarm and seek to put on Christ, to flee temptation and put on Christ. So um, let me, let me transition then. We've got temptation, we've got its source, and then the, the concept of the line. Uh, it's important to recognize that Jesus in the Bible is tempted, right? Jesus, Mark uh, and Luke both record that Jesus went into the wilderness and he was tempted by the evil one, right? So there's another proof that Satan himself can be the source of temptation. Uh, Jesus was actively um, approached and targeted for the sake of temptation. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says that, that in his temptation, Jesus did not sin. So I want to be really clear for our listeners, for you and for me, um, temptation is not sin. They are really different. And, and so even while we live with, a, with the old man of the flesh decaying and rotting within us, <clears throat> we're trying to bring to life the new man of the Spirit and continue to, to feed and nurture the new man of the Spirit. Um, but as we just read a second ago, we want to make sure that we're not giving uh, food and nourishment and fuel to the old man of the flesh in order to revive him from the dead, if you know what I'm saying. So I, I want that concept of a line to be really clear so that going back to your original question, um, if somebody in our audience feels temptation, that they do not immediately go to despair because they feel tempted. What would be the right way to handle that? Well, um, let's use uh, Joseph and Potiphar's wife from the book of Genesis. There's a moment when Joseph recognizes that doing his job and, and being in a particular place at a particular time is, is causing an extraordinary amount of of temptation. And then there's a day in which the woman really does try to come on to him. Um, I think every man that I've known that's a believer um, and wanting to throw off that aspect of lust in the flesh has known a deep longing for it to be as crystal clear as, oh good, I'm going to throw off my cloak and get out of this place, right? I'm gonna, as if I could just leave my jacket somewhere and, and run out of it. It's not always that easy, but we do recognize that even that physical example of throwing off the coat and running is a great illustration, isn't it? Because there's moments where you will be tempted, uh, and the Bible seems to summon us to use that temptation not as an opportunity for despair, but like an alarm in our soul. So when you think about it, what's what God has done by putting the Spirit of Christ in us, 
he's actually given us a, a true real warning. And so um, I, I was thinking and talking with you offline about it. I think this is maybe a useful illustration. Um, all, you know, hopefully most of us have smoke alarms or fire alarms in our house. Um, if a smoke alarm or fire alarm goes off in your house, uh, you could sit there and beat yourself up for being so careless with matches or for not getting the electrician out there to check your wiring. You know, you can sit there in the house while it's catching on fire going, man, why am I so dumb and forgetful and thoughtless? But that's not what an alarm is for. <laughs> an alarm is to tell you to get out of the house, right? Run because the house is on fire or there's a potential of you dying in this fire. And so um, if we think about temptation like that, really what the Lord's doing is he's giving us a, a, an alarm within our own soul because the spirit of God dwells in us. And it, and it makes us get, say with real clarity, I can feel that my heart is in danger of catching fire in this place. And, you know, I mean, it can be it can be lust. It can be envy. It can be pride. It can be jealousy. It can be my words, whatever it would be. There's almost always a place where you recognize, oh, I think I feel an alarm going off. I, and I actually think many of us can relate to the thought that it is the alarm feels like um, a sudden sting in our mind or conscience or even that your heart begins to race and you feel uncomfortable with where you are. Um, I would just want for you, for any of our listeners, myself included, when you hear that alarm, it's actually an opportunity. It's not a condemnation. It's an opportunity to run. Um, and I think that's uh, that leads us to our last point, this, which is the way of escape. You know, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it, it, it tells us that um, it's trying to make—Paul's making the, the clarification between being uh, tested and being tempted, and, uh, and those are really different. Um, so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, um, well, really going back, he, he says, uh, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you. That's not common to man, but God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But the temptation will also provide the way of escape. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And then the very next thing he says, and this is super important, therefore, my beloved brothers, flee from idolatry. Um, and, and, and Paul uses that by, by way of recognition that there's a moment in all of our uh, collective experience as believers, wanting to walk with the Lord, wanting to grow the spirit and, and uh, kill and put to death that old man. There's a moment when we recognize, I think I feel tempted. And in that moment, while the alarm is sounding, it's, it, it is as though God is giving us the opportunity to, um, to say, Father, where is the way of escape? You promise to be faithful. Help me get out of this at this moment. It may be in that second that I shut my mouth and quit talking and don't say another word or else I'll fall right into where I'm trying to get, where I'm trying to avoid going. It may be that I, I run from what is potentially an opportunity to look at something too long or whatever. But um, in that, this way of escape seems to be such a gift of, of grace um, because for all of us, what it's going to do is remind you you're actually not alone in the temptation. 
And one of the dangers, I think, of temptation, especially for um, people who are doing battle with very particular sins, and it's it's really obvious to them, is that in that moment, uh, Satan is also whispering, and the evil one is whispering, you're alone, you're alone, you're alone. Um, Which leads you to go, okay, I could get away with this, I could get away with this, or uh, nobody will care, nobody will care, nobody will know. Um, but the reality is that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, um, you're liable to be tempted like every human being is tempted. Here's the beauty of it. God's faithful. Uh, he is present with you. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Now, to be clear, your ability uh, is not governed by human strength. It is governed entirely by the presence and power of God and his faithfulness, um, which seems to me that there's a great opportunity for us to go, Lord, with such gratitude, I can see that you're present and willing to help me. Um, show me the way of escape. Help me run. What what thoughts do you have? What other questions are? That was really good. That that last verse just kind of reminds me of um, God's presence being both a a factor that um, would almost bring us to 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 fear of sin, but also um, bring us such joy and love that we can resist that sin it kind of reminds me of having like my father next to my side constantly yeah. you know, like an earthly father even even kind of depicts that heavenly fatherness but mm-hmm. um like i i would i would not want to um not please my father yeah yeah and at the same time he would offer such help for things that i would be going through yeah we you know one of the maybe one of the most important um and useful things that anybody has said to me uh, was I had a, a mentor that said to me, it, it's really useful for us to think about uh, temptation and sin, um, not as if uh, God is angry with us for being tempted. Uh, there's just such an easy way to go, oh man, I, golly, I can't even believe I'm, I'm allowing myself to be tempted or I've gotten tempted like that. Um. If, if Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he knows precisely what temptation feels like. Um, and in, in every way, the fact that he is aware, Hebrews goes on to say, that's why he's such a great high priest. Because not only did he not sin when he was tempted, but he's been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. So he can completely comprehend it. Having experienced it, he conquered it. But I think the great comfort there is this, that he's also willing to, um, he's not hes not ready to beat us up. He's desiring to take us back to the cross. So, and this is where we come back to the issue of the line. Um, was there, for, for me, with my example of bitterness last night, was there a place in my heart when I crossed between bitterness, I mean, between the temptation to bitterness and actual the sin of bitterness? And I would say, without question, like I just pummel, I just flew right across the cliff. What do I do the next day? Well, um, if I've spent a lot of time beating myself up for being tempted, then I'm. It's actually pointing me in the opposite direction. Christ, who is not ashamed to call me a brother, seems to be summoning us. Hey, I I know what it's like to be tempted. Uh, having failed now. Uh, come back and enjoy the offer of my salvation and enjoy the balm of my grace and mercy to you. Because what that does, Will, is it actually 
begins to empower me, going back to what you said. It empowers me not only that my father is with me, but that he actually wants to see me thrive and grow. Um, to be really clear, Satan's the enemy. Um, God is actually our advocate. Um, Jesus Christ, we, therefore we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so we should, we should think of Christ, we should think of our spirit, the spirit of God dwelling in us as that advocate, which is moving us to, uh, to continue to put to death the old man and give life to the new man. And then um, when we do cross into that gray area, which is sometimes gray and sometimes crystal clear, then we run back to the cross again. Um, but it's his faithful advocacy that reminds me that I'm not alone. Um, and it gives me the motivation to continue to do battle. I hope that's helpful for our people. I, this has been a helpful um, discussion and thought for me as well. For me as well. Well, thank you, Pastor Eric. I don't have anything else. If That's great. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you. Appreciate thank you, everyone, for listening.